Any given Monday. The weekend's over, the final sirens have sounded. We've got our winners and losers, our champs and our chumps. Any given Monday. So now it's time to look back and evaluate all the games, dramas and controversies from the best sport in the world. Any given Monday. So forget about those back-to-work blues and settle in for this week's edition of Any Given Monday. Please join your hosts, author and historian Dr Dan Eddy and local football expert Owen Carter as they're joined by special weekly guests for your most comprehensive wrap of the weekend's action. Let's get to it. Any Given Monday. Hello and welcome to uh, a 2022 edition, special edition, in fact, of Any Given Monday, your most favourite podcast in the history of the world, uh, brought to you by, uh, well, everyone knows the great Owen Carter, the man who just uh, is across everything, Gippsland footy and a very recognisable face throughout the district. Um, We're also joined by Brad Sinclair, the voice of everything football around the state, around the country. He's done it up in Queensland. He's done it everywhere else you can think of. He doesn't shut up, to be honest, so uh, pretty much his show. And Ian Doherty, the whiz, um, is there a nicer-toned voice on the airwaves going around? I'm not sure if there is. Uh, certainly not my voice. I'm uh, Dan Eddy. You've heard me uh, waffle on with Owen in the past. I'll just shut up now and hand over to the greats of the game, uh, gents. Welcome to 2022. It's amazing to think that we're in 2022, but uh, how are we all? Thanks, Thanks Dan. That's a lovely introduction. I'm not sure about the voice idea. I, I, well, maybe I hear it all the time, but uh, yes, and you might be right about Brad Sinclair. He is the voice of local footy absolutely everywhere. Hey, I did a cricket grand final last week. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you a little story about that, how I muffed it and buggered it absolutely slaughtered it in a 2020 grand final and I was an over ahead of myself but I'll tell you about that (laughs) (laughs) well local footy everywhere cricket grand finals and apparently happy to attend the opening of an envelope whenever he gets the opportunity Uh, he's got a nice thing to attend soon. He's got uh, a big book launch at the MCG, just a cheap plug for me. But uh, he'd be first. He was the first one to RSVP. They said the invite was sent out. And before I'd even sort of sent, press send and seen it go through on Facebook there, he'd already sent it through to the MCG. So he's going to be <laughs> well, there. I'm, 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 I'm just checking my inbox, Dan. I don't see the invite. Sorry, mate. I've been uh, been lining up all the big names. I thought I'd just uh, leave the rebel. <laughs> oh, righto. <laughs> I don't muck around with an RSVP. Whenever no. it comes in, it's gone and out snow because I don't never want to miss out. And I've been to the book, your other book, one of your other book launches at the MCG, uh, Dan. And um, it's the atmosphere, the you get out on the landing and look out over the ground and it's the greatest place. This is in a different spot though this time, this one, isn't it? Yeah, I thought we'd just do it in the sports museum this time downstairs, surrounded by greatness everywhere. And we'll have the great Peter Hudson there, but we'll also be able to look around and see Don Bradman's bat and uh, think it might be Carbine's heart around the corner and you name it, it's all there. I've I've never been to the sports museum at the MCG. I might just turn up as one of the bar staff just to see if I can uh, get myself. (laughs) Do that, you'll love it. You'll uh, yeah, you'll explode in there. It's a pretty amazing, uh, pretty amazing setup, and uh, yeah, all sports covered. So it's even got the the flame 
that was used for the uh, 56 Olympics. This uh, pretty basic structure, I must admit, but uh, some amazing history. Hey, Wiz, if I I end up going, you can be my plus one. All right, you're on. But uh, I'll maybe put a little off-the-shoulder number and um, a nice little bag that matches my shoes. That, that might that might take up another podcast, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think maybe we'll yeah, that one for another day. But we are excited, boys, because uh, the last time we were all together, it doesn't seem that long ago, but uh, we were talking about the AFL Grand Final because that was won by the Demons, but we might talk about that later on. But um, footy season's about to start, Dan. It's hard to believe. I um, Someone said to me that starts next week. I do a bit at Fox Footy sometimes on Saturdays during footy season. I got the text saying, are you free to work next weekend? I thought, well, they want me to work. And then I realised it's round one all of a sudden. So it's, it is scary how quickly it's come up uh, Yeah, this year. Maybe just because the last two years we haven't had anything to look forward to in terms of attending games and everything. So maybe, maybe I don't know. But uh, the anticipation's massive from what I'm, what I'm reading on social media and everything. Uh, supporters are jumping out of their skin to get out there and watch their team play. So are we are we excited that this year the season's not going to be interrupted? Are we anticipating that, or are we concerned about the Japanese encephalitis, uh, mosquito-borne virus that oh. could end up this ruining this season? Did that, is that going to put the petrol up, the price of petrol? The Japanese? <laughs> oh, you've noticed Bradbury, it's already gone up. So no, I mean again, it goes up. <laughs> it goes up when the, there's a, there's a strike on icing for cakes. I, I worked, oh, sorry boys, I worked the survey, one of my first jobs out of school in Langatha here and uh, I was, I, it was back in the days when you'd still, you went up to the car and pumped it for them and uh, I remember someone getting their gas and the gas was about 30 cents a litre and they were fuming. <laughs> it's an absolute I saw a post on social media the other day where someone said, um, we're so, as a couple, we're so excited. We've just had our loan approved, so on Tuesday we're getting a full tank of petrol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, where my missus said for Valentine's Day, take me out somewhere real pricey, so I took it down to the shell. <laughs> <laughs> we had a four and 20 out in the car park. <laughs> it wouldn't work for you anyway. You're the luckiest boy going around. Hey, hey boys, a new season coming on, and I, there's a lot of talk about coaches, Dan. Um, this year, we've got a few new ones. Yeah, I think it's on the positive side. The three, yeah, the three new guys that we've got come in, um, and I've just forgotten one of them straight away. But Craig McRae, <laughs> Michael Voss, the great Vossy. Who's the other one? I've completely the other blokes, the, and the other blokes, and on a hiding, the other blokes on a hiding oh. to nothing at Hawthorne. Yeah, it, it, it um, hasn't started well in the preseason, has it? No, he's uh, the other two will be okay. It won't matter how they go, but Hawthorne, it's a job you wouldn't want to take on. And I liken it to when uh, at your mob, Dan, uh, the ex-Richmond captain Matty took Knight, on after yep. Kevin Sheedy. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and he tried Matthew Knights, yeah, and he, he coached the Bendigo Bombers and he, he came in and tried to almost do Well, the sense I got was he was doing away with all that had gone before him, and it was just me and going forward. And you can understand why he did that, because it needed a, a clean slate, I guess. But um, it alienated a few just because, you know, we, we felt that Sheed's really embraced the history, and which Ben Rutten does now, and, and really embraced what the club was about. And Matthew was, I think, just trying... Yeah, the pressure of stepping into those shoes was insane. So you can imagine... Um, 
he, he was on a hiding to nothing, and he did see out his first term, but um, yeah, there, it was never going to work, I don't think. And you're right. So the pressure's on Sam Mitchell. Um, everyone says he's got a brilliant footy brain. Whether he maybe, I mean, lots of guys have a brilliant footy brain, but whether um, whether he needed a bit more of an apprenticeship, it's um, it was a shock to everyone when Clarko got the chop. Which I, yeah, I'm still staggered by that, but. Um, they obviously think that he's the man to take them forward, so it's on their it's on their head at the moment, isn't it, to see how it plays out. So I've got a question for you, boys, around Sam Mitchell and Hawthorne. Um, I wonder whether it's maybe not the Matthew Knight scenario at Essendon, following on from Clarkson, but I wonder whether there's a maybe a short-term bruise to the culture of the organisation based on the succession plan and the way it all ended. It was pretty messy, so. Um, maybe that's what Sam's dealing with initially. We know he's got a good footy brain and eventually he'll build something good. And maybe the question is whether Hawthorne have got the patience for him to rebuild this properly. I think they have now because Kennett's gone. I think if Kennett was still the president, I'd, I would have been very nervous if I was Sam Mitchell in year two. Yeah, it's a fair call. I, yeah. And that's why I'm not saying... It's long-term damage, but I my gut feel is that there's maybe a little bit of a bruise, a little bit of a yeah. contusion to the culture there. And I'm confident Sam will rebuild. He's a good footy person. He's got a good brain, as we said. So, well, he's a winner. Isn't he? He's a winner. He he knows. You know, he, he succeeds at what he does. As an Essendon fan, we didn't really love him much as a player because he did a few things on the field that we didn't <laughs> like. But you had to admire his desire to win and his his um, eagerness to just get the best out of himself. He wasn't the quickest bloke. He couldn't jump on people's backs, but he just did the best with his natural ability, and it was outstanding, wasn't it, over a long period of time. So in that sense, um, he knows how to win, but uh, it's a big thing to do that and then to step in and be the main man, face the media. He hasn't always been, you know, media darling as such, so that'll be interesting as well. I think what they they did do well was put the most experienced assistant coach in the caper in Robert Harvey underneath him. I think that'll help. Mm. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, that. What about the Blues? I, I'm seeing um, mm. good signs early from Michael Voss. I think they, there's just a little bit of a harder edge to the Blues and they um, put up a good performance in that practice game against the Tigers. Um, I, I'm actually confident this time around Voss He's a totally different coach to the to the chapter coach, the Brisbane Lions. He spent uh, seven or eight years, I think, as a minimum at Port Adelaide, which is a good program. And uh, I think he comes in as a totally different coach, and he's probably just what the Blues need. Yeah, mm. totally agree. I, I thought he was very stiff to uh, get the flick back in these days at the Lions, as was Lepage. Um, and I think being where he's been at Port Adelaide, who have had enormous success, uh, when not the grand success, but they've had success, and a lot of that has been attributed to Michael Voss. Yeah, players love him, and um, I, I feel like um, we know what he was like as a player. Obviously, he was hard as nails, and um, you, you couldn't help but admire him. But I, I've got a feeling he's going to bring some of that to the Blues, and from what we've seen in the early practice match form, um, you would say that's what's going on. And I, um, the, there's a few of the players on that list now that have been freed up just with the way they're set up. It's early days, though. And I, you know, we'll say this a number of times during this podcast, but 
we talk about on an even playing field what the, what they're all trying to produce and the changes that have been made, but you know, it's influenced by in, injuries as well. And, and straight away, Carlton they've got they've lost Walsh for the first three or four weeks, so um, which is that's going to trouble them. But uh, I'm expecting to see some significant improvement from the Blues this year. Yeah, they've got they've gone with the Melbourne mantra of a bigger, stronger midfield, and I think that'll help them. And and oh, your thoughts on uh, Craig McRae at Collingwood? He seems to be Mr. Popular with everyone in the football industry, so I think everyone wants him to do well, even though we might not want to see Collingwood win. But uh, we we expect that he's probably going to walk in and have a real influence there. Uh, yeah, thanks for the segue. It's hard to get a word in edgewise with these <laughs> other two. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, look. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one for Collingwood. Uh, we were saying just prior to pitting record that it, it probably won't matter too much in the first year, but I think after the first year, there's definitely going to if if McRae doesn't have too much success, well then there's definitely going to be more pressure on him just being Collingwood. So I think that job comes with the territory there, but he would know what he's he's in for. So uh, I think Collingwood are in for a little bit of an interest, interesting year. They can possibly go either way, and look, he can potentially say that about almost anyone in the in the league at the moment but I, I feel for me Collingwood's a little bit of an unknown uh, they could they could go either way and it'll be very interesting to see how the year plays out so I reckon Collingwood's in not a rebuild but they're in a development stage mm. and it's an interesting contrast against Carlton where boss is coming in and bringing a bit of a harder edge uh, I think McRae's bringing a bit of a softer edge everybody loves him and he's a nice guy and there's a Really warm, cosy, cuddly feeling at Collingwood at the moment. Let's just see what happens when the pressure's on. You know, eight rounds in and they've lost a couple and or lost a few and um, the fans are throwing pies and um, that, that's going to be that. Uh, that was always going to be the hard part for McRae to deal with. But, you know, if you watch him as a player in the old days, he was pretty resilient. So, uh, um, you know, I, I think that's going to be the early watch on the pies. Yeah, right. the old, the old uh, honeymoon... Uh, period as a coach is lovely, uh, but uh, I've been through the honeymoon as a coach, and the divorce can come very quickly. And, <laughs> and Brad, no one, no one champions the Collingwood cause more than you do. I'm just, uh, I'm interested in your thoughts on the the club's biggest icon in Mason Cox and what you think of his um, his eyewear situation and where you think that will help him have an impact this year. Wow. It, it wouldn't matter. Oh, <laughs> His future's so bright. He's made an impact. He's made an impact already. He's had a crack at the AFL about his eyewear. They've let him wear it. And he's had a crack at them last week saying he had to wait too long to know if he could wear it. The guy just has to keep relevant. He tries to stay relevant. And why? Because he can't play. So, Brett, I'll add to that. I, my view is letting wear the eyewear. I'm surprised that he actually needs it because, based on what I've watched over the last few years, whenever he goes to the footy, he's got his eyes closed anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is so true, Wiz. And I hope they've got a clearance from the VFL to wear that eyewear because that's where he'll be wearing it. <laughs> I I wonder. It's interesting. They're almost talking about it like it's the first time it's ever happened. But the great Jeff Leffen kicked 100 goals yes. in, in glasses, so it's not yeah. some new... Thing to the game. It's, it yeah, is a bit I'm, weird that he's... I'm old enough to remember with Jeff, and he had a special setup with the glasses. He used to sit them on the end of his nose, so when he went to a marking contest, they would fall off, and the umpire would see it and he'd get a free kick. Um, 
I reckon the umpy might have looked after uh, old Jeff. Wonderful player as he was. Hey, can I can, keep the conversation going on coaches just for one more? Now, we know there's three new coaches this year, but there's another one that's coming back into the conversation as an assistant, which is significant, I think, at the uh, GWS Giants. That's James Hurd coming back into the fray there. Albeit his youngest boy is about to debut in the VFL uh, for the Bombers, but James is back in the game. Just excuse me, boys. I'm just going to get down on my knees and uh, pray for a few minutes. <laughs> the great man's back in football. That's what we want to see. He's, a, he's still uh, – I, I speak for most Essendon supporters, I think, when I say he's still worshipped at Bomberland. And no matter what you think of what went on, he's still um, – yeah, we, we're almost heartbroken to see him in different colours. But, yeah, that's interesting. I, I know Mark McFay. I think Mark still works up there. And, and Mark and James – I've got a feeling Mark – had James in his wedding, so they're very close. So I thought that might have been how it all sort of come about. But yeah, you're right. Um, if if the Giants struggle early, it'll be interesting, won't it? What what takes place? Well, I liken it, and I know I feel your pain too, Dan. I I liken it in a different way to watching one of my favourite ever Geelong players as Geelong supporter <clears throat> pull on the number three jersey for the Bombers, Paul Chapman. Yeah, I, it would have been weird, yeah. I, yeah. I had me off my tucker for about six months. I just couldn't cope with it <laughs> at all. So, anyway, so let's wait and see. But I've got a feeling he's going to have an impact at the Giants. For oh, sure. I mean, he's, yeah, yeah, sorry, Brad. His players his players played for him at Essendon, you know. Like, they just – and it almost could be like Michael Vossett-Carton where you just – you're so in awe of what he achieved as a player and, and he what he says is going to make you run through brick walls. And, and Hurdy – was doing that at Essendon before everything went bad. So, yeah. and, and, and on that, I mean, Leon Cameron is only human. That appointment would have made him nervous. There is no doubt about that. He'd be nervous from that appointment. That's interesting. So, so it made him nervous or was he involved in the appointment? So, I mean, the right coach is not afraid of what's behind him. In fact, he's appointing as many good people as he can. And we don't know truthfully what's going on in the background there. So he's no, either if, or he's really happy about it. If you've if there's been talk for the last three years of you getting ousted and they bring in a James Hurd as your assistant, you're nervous. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. You're nervous. Is, is, he, is he as nervous as Mike Patterson in 1980 when they brought Jezza across from Carlton and three weeks in he was sad? <laughs> any, any, that was anyone at St Kilda. The one thing, <laughs> the one thing well, Speaking will... of St, St Kilda, um, I, I liken it to when they brought in rats to work under Richo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah, they they said flat out that um, no, Rat, Rats is there to support Richo, but I reckon Blind Freddy could see that if Richo doesn't win, we've got someone there that can take over straight away. Yeah. Sometimes it's easier to see from the outside, isn't it? And I reckon mm. um, one thing you will get from Leon Cameron will be all the cliches about how positive it is. But let's wait and see around round eight, round nine, how positive it is then. There's a footnote to it. Uh, unfortunately for Leon Cameron. A lot of it depends on their form, obviously, mm. but they lose their best footballer for the first five games. Yes, yeah, five. And if they're, if they're two and three or one and four or zip and five, he's in big trouble yeah. and it's out of his control. Yeah, spot on, spot on. Oh, that's a, that's a definitely something to watch, no question, in the mm. first eight or nine rounds of this year. The Giants, they could be anything. And, you know, I... I'd be no one'd be having the mood to see them undefeated on top of the ladder, but I, I suspect it's not going to happen. So, do yeah. you, and so do we think just on from that? Do we think that 
Leon Cameron's the most, the coach who's leading the running to to you know we don't like talking about it, but to be sacked is he the first one in line? Do you think, or is he it is, or is it up at the Suns? He's nah. I, I think Dewey's safe because of King going down and re-signing. King went yep. down with a knee. He's re-signed for two years. I think that actually saves Jew because their key forward's gone. Mm. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. I, this was later on in the run sheet for me, but well, I'm happy to visit it now. I've bumped it first, up. So. No, no, no. <laughs> so the first coach to be sacked this year. Now, we have had the odd season where none were, but usually you get one or two. that are, and, and some of them pull out for family reasons, but that means they're sacked. Um, <laughs> I'm going to come out – this will feel a bit left field initially, but when you think it through, based on what we've seen and heard, I think Adam Simpson's in trouble in the, at the West Coast Eagles. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they're going to start the season well. It's pretty messy already, and uh, the rotten fruit gets thrown from the grandstand pretty early. They won't be happy if they in Perth, yeah. And he's not yeah. a Perth boy. That's he's not a Perth boy. So I, I, I just stay tuned there. Write that one down, Owen Carter. I reckon uh, Adam Simpson for mine, the first coach to be removed this year. Yeah. For me, the only thing that saves him, he won a premiership in 18. That's the only thing he saves him. Leon Cameron, as has been stated many a time, has been driving a Ferrari and he hasn't won one. No, true. But I did see um, Tony Jewell on the news the other night visiting the Tigers. Uh, interestingly, that he was sacked halfway through the following season after he won the flag with the Tigers. So, you know, the old days are the old days, but uh, and, and you know what West Australia is like. He was so also was, sacked mid-year at St Kilda when I was there. Yeah. And and Robert Walls was sacked uh, a year after his premiership yes. at Carlton in 87, 88 as well. So it's I think uh, it happened. 2018's a long time ago in some respects. But I, yeah. I have a feeling that the the uh, Perth footy fans aren't going to put up with a lack of success for the Eagles for a long time. I reckon Simpson, if they don't start well, the Eagles, I reckon Simpson could be in trouble. Who are you guys going, Dan? I still think. Jew, I, I know he has got a bit of an out there with King Gone, but in the AFL, it's it's become a concern, hasn't it, over the past? It just keeps growing louder and louder, and we do sort of push it aside and just say, oh, it's just the Suns and we don't care, but the money that gets spent to make the Suns happen, and, um, you know, it's Leon Cameron might not have won a premiership, but at least he's got them in competitive most years, you know, and the Suns just haven't got it right. So I still think... He's probably number one, and not not necessarily that I want him to go, but I just think the AFL might say, "Geez, we've got to move on here." You know what I reckon the deciding factor is, if and where Alistair Clarkson wants to coach. Hundred percent. Yeah. Does he want to live on the Gold Coast or not? I mean, and if you look at um, the weather that we've seen recently in Queensland, seriously, that could put him off. The only thing, yeah, well, that's true. But the thing with Clarko, the only thing I think that might hesitate him with the Suns is he wouldn't want to stab Dewey in the back. So he'd want to know that it's yeah. clear-cut, everything. He wouldn't want to walk in the next day after he's been sacked sort of thing, I think. So they need to manage that if that's how it goes. Because he says, you know, he's involved with the Tassie uh, bid to get a team, but they might not make the AFL scene for four or five years. So to... You couldn't really get him as their first coach if he's. I don't think he wants to sit out of the game for five years. And now, Owen, please don't say Brett Ratton. Who are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I really hope it's not Rats because, uh, yeah, I, I'm already a pessimistic supporter as it is and jaded as it is. So I don't, yeah. I, I could do with a few wins. And obviously, St Kilda's had 
injuries already, so it's not looking fantastic. But we'll let we'll just let the first couple of weeks play out and make a bit of a judgment there. Um, I was gonna you stole my thunder a bit, Brad, in regards to Jew. Uh, my opinion is I think Jew will go if they can secure Clarko. Um, I think there is a little bit of a leeway with the banking situation, but f- football from a business perspective is you need wins. And if you don't get wins, you need change. So I, I think it's it can boil down to as simple as that. Um, Dan, you have feedback on that? No, sorry. I was just waiting <laughs> for you to finish. No, but I was just going to say that, yeah, it's a good call. Um, do we think, and this might be outlandish, but if Port Adelaide don't make a grand final this year, where's Ken at? Yeah, well, that's a good yeah, point too. He's got a brutal president. But, yeah, I, right. but I think um, that, that sort of sits next to the Adam Simpson around the parochial fans. If the natives get restless in South Australia, Ken's in trouble. Mm. But I suspect that Ken will have Port in the top six through most of the year. So it'll be the same again. There'll be a time down the track for Ken where um, Koshy, David Cock, will uh, will be uh, – he's done the same thing every year. It's time to move him, right? But I don't think with Hinkley, unless there's a disaster on the ladder, I can't see him being moved on during the year. But been wrong before. I read, Just backtracking to the Saints too, are not um, – with um, their coach, I – I reckon the last thing they need to do is move, them, move another coach on. They actually need some consistency and and they've got to back someone in. It's not that long ago they backed him in, he got him in the finals. I think they've got to be a bit more patient at St Kilda with, with Ratton. I'd like yeah. to see that, that's for sure. Uh, and it's really a balancing act, isn't it? You, you've got to appease so many different pieces of the puzzle in order to get to where you need to be. So... Yeah, Rats is going to have a challenge on his hands with the the early injuries and unavailabilities at the start of the season. Uh, but everyone starts with a clean slate at the start of the year, so it's going to be very interesting how they play out. Uh, and St Kilda obviously have a very big history of getting rid of people they put time into and feel like they give a really good chance to develop and you uh, don't have to go too far to to see how that plays out as well. Is there, is there some significance in the background around the announcement recently that Simon Lethleen will go from the operations manager into the CEO role at the end of this year at St Kilda? What does that mean for Ratton? Is there more support or less? Well, they're trying to play that off as uh, that's that's background. That's uh, that's all administration. That has nothing to do with the the actual playing footy department, but. I think the proof will be in the pudding there. How how close are the players to left lean? Is it going to – or the, the coaching staff, are, are they so close to left lean that him moving on is going to affect the whole body as as a, as a winning group? Uh, yeah, who knows? Like, that, it's just, yeah. Yeah. Dan, you had a – Yeah, I was just going to say, just on the St Kilda subject or any club really, um, let's be honest, If uh, as we've seen with the Australian cricket team in the last few months, uh, if the players aren't happy with uh, getting the right treatment, the coach can go pretty quickly without, uh, without you know. It, Isn't it amazing, without uh, getting too sidetracked, it, the, the role of the coach in a cricket team versus the role of a coach in a footy team? They're vastly different. Mm. On, on the left lean appointment, 
a lot of people will bag him because of his history at the AFL and how he went out of there. And they'll yep. say it's jobs for the boys because he's a great mate of Gillam McLaughlin. From yeah. a St Kilda supporters' uh, point of view, I look at it and I go, you know what? I think it's a good appointment because he's, yeah, chummy, with, he's chummy with McLaughlin. St Kilda are in a, a world of pain in financially. And if we need help, we've got the right bloke because he'll be able to get an under-the-table handshake from the top. <laughs> the top. I'm all for it. Yeah, I think it's a good appointment. Um, but we've got to wait a year for it, so, yeah. Just a, just a quick one, Owen or Brad. Um, your your thoughts on, I don't know if either of you have actually physically seen it, but the Danny Frawley Centre at the at the club, that must be a huge um, positive vibe for the club at the moment. Massive. I, I've seen it in three parts. It, it's early stage the middle and the final stage. Um, I think I, I think that's St Kilda's best recruit. What they've done off-field with that uh, facility in today's landscape of mental health, I think it has been... That will attract players. It'll attract the community more so, and it'll embrace the community. And let's, let's face it, until St Kilda got back to Moorabbin, they hadn't had a community for many years. So mm. I think magnificent, great facility, and it's open to the public. Yeah, great. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I look forward to it. Yeah, it does look great. Me. It does look great. And then the Dons uh, just opened up the uh, the Bruce Reed Medical Centre at, um, at, oh. at Esteton just this week. So uh, another a great club person, and, and it's a yeah very popular thing there. Um, we better move on or else we'll be here Sorry, for six Sorry, Dan, hours. before but, you move on, uh, as soon as you said Bruce Reid, my mind immediately went to the cricketer and how he no, always no. snapped in half, and I thought that was a bit <laughs> ironic that they were calling a medical centre after Bruce Reid. I not realise you are talking about. Yeah, that's, that's true, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, are you opening on. that, Dan? You'd be opening that. You're doing everything else at Essendon, I see. <laughs> You know, I have, uh, it's an exciting year, the 150 year. I don't know if anyone can actually see video of us talking, but if they can, this might be the coolest members badge that's ever been made. Uh, yeah, the 150 logo, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's a ripper and it's on a little, uh, on a little. Ah, yeah, it's like a brand Yeah, it's brilliant what they've done and they're really going all out. And I'm, I'm just honoured to be involved with some of the, the planning and watching it all unfold. You can obviously check out my podcast on the, the Essendon website, almost as good as this one. Um, we better move on. The, there was three other, there's, you know, a few other comebacks. You know, we're talking about new coaches coming in, but there's some decent name comebacks for players that um, had, for various reasons, um, didn't quite see out the season last year at, at top peak, I guess. And we'll we start with you, mate, and, and Tex Walker over in Adelaide. How do we think he's going to return from the, the racial vilification issue that sort of rocked the game late last year? Yeah, so Tex got himself a big holiday and he's um, going to miss the start of the season, but he will be back eventually. The club have backed him in. What um, what happened with Tex, the casual racism, um, is um, is unforgivable, but um, in many ways it, it appears that he's seen the light and um, it's had a massive impact on him and the football club. They backed him in and I look forward to seeing uh, the impact. I, it, it's a fair chance that it might be his last year, Tex. Um, he's been a terrific impact player for the Crows for a while, and uh, I look forward to watching him come back and play for the Crows. Yeah, well said. Um, he's got it. Yeah, he's had to eat a lot of humble pie and apologise yeah. to a million people, and really That's find true. out the hard way. So if he can come back, and um, it'd be hard enough for you or me to probably put ourselves in the um, 
public eye after doing that, and he's had to do it. He has to do it every week, so he's got his own demons he has to face there. But uh, the club has backed him in the whole way, and obviously his teammates have come around to um, the way he's he's sort of conducted himself since then. So uh, I think I think he'll be embraced when he comes back. It will be interesting to see what the sort of what the fan feedback's like anyway, because um, yeah, we don't forget things like that. So that'll be interesting. Uh, Toby Green will come back at some point, though. Um, he's, what's he got, about five or six weeks out on the sidelines, unfortunately, because I think every one of us loves to see him play, even against our own clubs. We love watching him play. What What are your thoughts on Toby's impact when he eventually does come back? It's clear, clearly loved by the playing group up there and can divide supporters and, and viewers, but I think that's from a from a perspective of people that don't like GWS, they're not going to like him because he's a good player. And my gauge of a good player that doesn't play for my team is I, I hate it every time they do well because uh, they're clearly a good player. And, and Toby Green definitely falls into that category for a lot of people. For me, I think uh, they'll welcome him back. He clearly needs to find that balancing act between uh, how far on the line he walks and how far across it he goes, because uh, he hasn't hasn't got that right in his entire playing career yet. So obviously they see leadership qualities in him. They've they've made him a leader. Uh, he just needs to get that right, and he could be one of the greatest to to pull on a jumper, not only for GWS but in the modern era. Yep, uh, he's he's my. Probably since James Heard, he's my favourite player since then. He, I can I can watch him. A bit like watching the great Shane Warren play cricket. You could sit and just watch the TV all day if the camera just stayed on him the whole time. We didn't care about the rest of the game. He's just <laughs> captivating, isn't he? Um, That's an interesting call, Dan, because I, it's, a, it's in comparison in the sense that um, if Toby Green played for my club, I would be beside myself. I just think he's a wonderful footballer. But you're right. At the Giants, he's a player you love to hate. And he's a loose unit at times. He he does some uh, some really. I mean, you just if you're his coach, you just want to grab him by the throat at times. But some of the things he can do on a football field are just brilliant. And if you can iron those wrinkles out, but I've got a feeling he is a bit of um, his footy's warning in many respects, and that maybe how yeah. he's remembered when he's finished. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Brad. Uh... You, you're old enough to have seen Brent Croswell in action and uh, the great man pretty much was a Toby Green type guy. You either loved him or you hated him, but you must watch him when he's playing football. Yeah, most definitely. I, I, um, I'm not a, obviously not a Giants supporter, but I love Toby Green and I loved Brent Croswell, but I was a Carlton supporter. I actually cried for days when he left and went to North Melbourne. Uh, I remember it as a kid uh, fondly that, Brent Croswell was one of my favourites, and mainly because my Richmond uh, mates uh, and Collingwood mates at school hated him. So that made me love him all the more, and I would imagine it's the same with Toby Green. <laughs> right, boys. So, the other, oh, sorry. Go on, Dan. Oh, Dan you go. I, I think you were going to do what I was going to do. Oh, yeah, no. So the other the other big one, which we, we probably forget a bit, but uh, he's a Richmond bloke who... Goes around okay, the great Dusty Martin, who's been eclipsed by the likes of Christian Petrarca in the last six or 12 months, hasn't he? So um, he'll be pretty keen, I reckon. I don't think the likes of Wayne Carey and those guys would have liked it when someone else was predicted to be uh, have a better year than them and maybe have gone above them in the game. I reckon Dusty, just quietly below the surface, he's had a lot happen, obviously the passing of his father and 
which would have just shattered him and and his injury and everything. But I reckon deep down he's thinking, I'm still the best in the game here. I've got three Norm Smith medals. Uh, you got to outdo me. So, Wiz, what are your what are your thoughts on the excitement of having him back? Oh, mate, of all of the comebacks, this is the one I'm excited about because um, we talked about uh, 7.5 seconds with his hands on the football to win the Norm Smith medal a couple of years ago. This is um, this is the most electrifying player since Gary Ablett Senior, in my view. He he can change a game. People go to watch him play. He's going to come back leaner. It was a significant injury. Let's be really clear about that. He was he was in a lot of trouble. He's come back um, from that. He's leaner. I, I get the impression he's fitter. And as you've said, there's a few issues around it. He's more determined. I think we're going to be staggered by what he produces. We um, his best is not yet behind him. Boys, yeah. Uh, Totally agree with what we said. I think the other thing, too, on top of it is I think he might even uh, dedicate the season to his late father. Mm. Um, that's a normal thing. They were, We all know how incredibly close they were, and yet they had to live apart. I would imagine, because his father loved his footy career and was with him right through the kids' stuff out through Bendigo Pioneers, I would imagine he's going to dedicate the year on with you, Wiz. He's actually my Brownlow favourite. Because of okay. yeah, yeah. Um, hey, um, talking about uh, star players and impact and whatnot, just following on from um, comebacks. There's a real big one coming up in the first few rounds. The big, uh, the the Budmeister. He's got five to go for a thousand goals, which will push him right in behind Gary Ablett Senior on the all-time list. A thousand goals. It's been eight, nine years in Sydney now. Sort of almost the last couple of years, we feel like he's been under the radar. Mm. This that's that's going to be huge. A thousand goals. That's wait for that to go massive. And well, missed a lot of footy. He's missed a lot of yeah. footy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. He could be pushing like twelve hundred if he's yeah. played long <laughs> enough. But, um, and I hope the fans just say stuff the security we're running on the ground because it, it is a special. I mean, to have only happened, what, five times in history, it's it's a pretty special thing. And uh, it I can remember captivated in 1990, when when did Lockett do it? Uh, 95-ish, 96, when he did it, and you, on 97. But it was just, uh, you were just eager and eager for this thing to happen. And then you got to see Paul Kelly pass to him. He goes back and he lines up and it's still really sticks in my memory uh, just watching it at home as a kid. So um, this is a sort of moment that kids will just remember forever. Mm. Yeah, I hope it's not it's at a, a pivotal moment of the game as well. Uh, it's lucky that he's likely to get it in the first two rounds. Um, uh, brings me back, not not to a, a thousand goals, but uh, when Fraser Gehrig was playing in the prelim against Port and he, he kicked 100 for the season, the crowd rushed rushed the, the game and St Kilda lost all momentum and probably lost a spot in the granny because of that. So. Yeah, that's an issue, isn't it? But I've I, I got to say, I mean, it seems like that the, the fixture is set up so the Sydney have got the first two games at home. Mm. And uh, so they obviously want it to happen at the SCG. They love him up there. And um, I, it's interesting, I mean, this time last year, the notion of the entire crowd running onto the SCG to embrace Buddy Franklin when I mean, we're talking about empty stadiums, so the world has changed and we look forward to it. But the interesting thing I reckon is that the young generation who didn't grow up, Brad, you and I particularly, we watched Ablett or Wade when we were kids, Hudson, 
um, Ablett, all these guys, Kidman, Lockett, Dunstall, they're a thing of the past in many ways. To suddenly have someone in the competition that's going to kick a 1,000 goals, there's kids around now going, well, they just blow their mind. They just can't believe that. And it's a massive piece of footy history. Yeah, and there was that's because Dan Eddy, I mean, you look, Matty Lloyd, I mean, if he had played in that earlier era, he would have kicked a 1,000. He played in an era where full forwards were gone, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Towards yeah. the latter part of his career. Yeah, I was there for his two, the two centuries he kicked, both of them, and it, it just a... It's an occasion you never forget. I still remember where I was sitting both times and I was there when Buddy kicked his, the most recent Centurion as, as well, and just sat up the top of the whatever it was called then, Telstra's, Telstra Dome maybe, and uh, just looked down and just the flood of people that rushed onto the field and uh, you just thought, geez, we're, we're just not going to see this much anymore. So it's a, it's a moment yeah. that... Um, and just before time, we... Sorry, yeah. Gail, just before we finish on, on Buddy, he's in his ninth year of his nine-year contract. I'm hearing within the next fortnight he'll sign for a further two years. That's awesome. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't think there'd be many people that, and me included, who when it was first announced that he'd signed a nine-year contract that we thought he'd see out probably more than five. Uh, so it's pretty amazing that he has been able to see it out and the Swans have stuck with him when he's had a few injuries and that as well. But um, he's really given... They haven't won a premiership under him, but what he's brought to the club is a bit like Plugger in the sense that they didn't win a flag under him either, but just the, the publicity it's brought to Sydney has been unbelievable. The, yeah, Sydney, won out. Sydney won out on that nine-year contract yeah. because of the inflation. You have a look yeah, at... Got on. It'd be on two million, two point five million a year now. Mm. Well, that's the interesting part is that I think it was back ended, so his last year was the big one, and he got a yeah. million. But, you know, that puts him in the maybe in the top fifteen, top ten, top fifteen paid players. But at the time when he signed it, eight or nine years ago, it was, it, that contract was on yeah. the moon. You know, so oh, I'm interested to see if they do give him another two. What will the number be? That's an interesting question. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine, yeah, yeah, I'm only guessing, but I would imagine it would still be around the million-dollar mark for one reason and one reason only. He's in Sydney and it gets bums on seats. Yeah, if if it were a club in Melbourne, it wouldn't be. He'd probably be taking a bit of a haircut to make sure that the kids stay, but uh, Sydney's a different kettle of fish. And and, um, you're right, bums on seats is the critical factor up there, isn't it? Yes. And Sydney's first two games are the Giants at, I think it's at Giants home ground first up in round one. And then if he doesn't kick his few goals that day, the next week is Geelong on a Friday night in prime time. He might just kick one less this first week and then save it for the Cats and prime time, buddy, Sydney Friday night. That'd be a massive occasion. I wonder who will get him. Tommy Stewart, they'll put blitz abs on him. That'll be fun to watch too in round two. I reckon it could happen then. Yeah. Will be. Um, where do you want to go now, Wiz? Where do we move on to? What do you reckon? We, we should probably talk about ladder predictions and stuff. That's um, Everybody does it, but I'd be, be wrong of us not to, wouldn't it? Bottom couple. Uh, I'm, sounds silly. I'm a bit unsold on Hawthorne. I don't, I'm not saying they're going to finish last cross, but oh, no, North Melbourne, um, I think, probably still a fair way back. They've got some exciting stuff happening with... Uh, Recruiting last year, obviously, the number one draft pick. So there's some real buzz. to, be, And I think 
David Noble's doing the, you know, they're on the right track in where yeah. they're going to head. It's just it's a slow build, isn't it? So you'd think you think they're probably last. But if West Coast get a few injuries, you get some of these teams that if, if Hawthorne, if you know, if they get a few injuries, there's some teams that you don't know whether they're quite ready to fill the fill the gaps like the top teams can. Uh, the Suns are another one. We, you know, we, I don't have huge hopes for them. And Collingwood, I'm unsure as well. If they if they lose their top heavy guys, I'm not sure if they can fill enough gaps to really push hard. So they're probably my teams that are floating around the bottom. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, Brad? I've gone Hawthorne, West Coast, North for the bottom three. Yep. Um, but wouldn't surprise if Collingwood's there either. I think I think Suns might be an improver. I, I, I'm thinking the Suns, even without Ben King, I think uh, their midfield of Raoul, I'll get a full season out of him this year, hopefully. And the other one that I think, and I've predicted as winning a Brownlow in his career, is Noah Anderson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You look good the other night against the Cats. Yeah, yeah. So Hawthorne, West Coast, North for me, bottom three. Funny you should say that, um, Brad, because I've got the same three. And I look, it's always difficult this time of year. We'll say this with our top eight as well. With the injuries, you just don't know what happens. But I'm really scared for the Eagles. I, I've got a feeling yeah. that um, they might be in a bit of trouble. Hawthorne will be there. North will be there. They'll improve, but it's a slow track. And uh, and I agree with, the, with your comment about the Suns. But if I had to pick one right now, and I'll probably end up with egg all over my face, but I've got a feeling the West Coast Eagles might win their first ever wooden spoon. Amazing. Owen? Mm. Um, I will agree with North. Um, everything that's been said prior to me, I generally agree with there. Uh, I'm sorry for any North fans listening. It, it, unfortunately, it's just going to be a slow burn for them, I think. Uh, I really believe that West Coast could slide as well. I... Still have concerns over Adelaide uh, without any sort of backing up of watching any of their preseason stuff. Uh, they could they could potentially improve. It really depends on a lot of factors, like anyone else. So I will stick with that for now, uh, without any sort of confidence. Yeah, the Crows are the other one. I forgot. You're right. Um, again, if they're top heavy guys, if if Rory Sloan and that aren't aren't up front and firing, you you do wonder where they're going to be as well. But again, a bit like North, they're on that. And I heard Matthew Nix uh, a week or two ago say that, you know, it can turn pretty quickly as we've seen Melbourne were out of the finals and then their premiers so can turn, but I think they still need a couple more pre-seasons and, and some experience, don't they? So Sloan's getting older too, Dan, and I'm, yeah. I'm concerned that if they're putting all their chips in the Sloan basket, they're in trouble anyway. So, But, um, yeah, the pressure comes in Adelaide without wins, so... Uh, yeah, that one's a scary one as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that middle of the range sort of clubs, I've got like a, I've got a basket full really. Uh, and it, again, it can depend on a bit of experience and injuries and all that. But uh, there's a number of teams that I reckon are sort of floating anywhere from you know twelfth through to seventh, depending on <laughs> depending on how things go. You know, and I can just reel them off in no particular order. But Carlton. Um, Essen could be top six, they could be tenth. You don't, you know, that's it's one of those wait and sees. Hopefully, they're up near the top part of that. But uh, Frio's in that mix. Um, I think Geelong's in that mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else are we looking at? Hawthorne, such and so and so. Uh, Richmond, probably higher up than, yeah, probably in the, the higher mix. But St Kilda and Sydney, they're thereabouts. Um, 
you just see that once you start to reel off all these teams, you've got six or eight that are suddenly could be in the top eight, but could actually slump. So it's a real, really even uh, competition, I think, for spots in the eight. We might need to expend it to a to a top uh, seventeen soon because we can't fit them all in. Uh, Brad, what are you, what are your thoughts, mate? Yeah, look, my middle of the row sides of. Gold Coast, Carlton, Fremantle, St Kilda, and a surprise, because I don't think this one will make the eight, is GWS. I think they'll come mm. out, and mm. Richmond will go in that eight. That's the only change in the eight that I see. Giants out, Richmond in, and I think Giants, uh, Richmond in on the back of a Brownlow season for Martin. If Martin wins a Brownlow, Richmond play finals. It's yeah. Probably that simple, and those five, I think, will be middle of the row. I don't see much change in the top eight, uh, positional-wise maybe, but I don't see, the as I say, the only one, Giants out, Tigers in, Gold Coast and Carlton to be the do, two big improvers. Mm. Wiz? Uh, I, look, I've got, there's a family interest in Carlton. My, um, my eldest daughter's partner is a mad Carlton man and uh, they're showing up something good at the moment. I, I feel like they're going to improve on middle of the road. Um, Collingwood, um, Adelaide, uh, some of these are probably going to fall into the middle. I sort of fall asleep when we talk about the middle of the ladder, uh, and I suspect the clubs that are there do too. Um, I'm, I think it's a difficult one to predict. I'm really hopeful to come. But, and by the way, my, my list of top eight at the moment, I've got 11 or 12 teams in it, So, and I feel like it could be that close. So, yeah, that probably covers the middle as well. Well, it was last year, Wiz. Yeah. There was... The top eight were on a, uh, the lowest was Essendon on 11 wins. Then you had three teams on 10, West Coast and Kilda, Fremantle. So the top 11, there was a game separating them in, in and out. So yeah. on with you. I don't think I don't think that's going to change, is it? Yeah, no, you're right. I, and let's keep the prediction of the Premier separate. But if we if we can, this conversation just automatically morphs into a top eight discussion. Melbourne are going to be there. There's no question about that. I'm I'm not a subscriber to the Premiership hangover. There might be a few weeks where it gets a bit nasty, but they'll contend. The Bulldogs will contend. I'm concerned about injuries there already. Uh, and I'm really sure about this. Richmond are not cooked. They're not out of this. Yeah. Their era is not gone, and they are they're going to be right at the party end this season. I like the way they've redeveloped and you know Boulder going forward and some of these other things. I and and, and and, and Martin's going to spend more time in the middle this year. So I expect the Tigers to be um, dangerous this year. I know the Cats are going to be there because they've only missed half a dozen final series in 30 years. So they are going to be there because of the quality on that list. Injuries are going to be the thing for them. I know Brisbane are seeking some improvement. That's going to be a battle for them, but I reckon they're in there as well. I expect Port to be around about it. Sydney aren't um, shy. I reckon Carlton are going to surprise us. So is that the eight? I don't know. I, it's hard to pick out a favourite at the moment, but I reckon they're the ones that are, you know. On that Richmond one, some astute recruiting. Now, people might have laughed when they picked up Tarrant from North Melbourne, mm. but that's allowed Bolter to go forward. I yep. think that and is he's a good. really good move, yeah. and it's going to pay dividends with the vice-captain going down last week. Yep. The Tarrant goes straight into that defensive role. And maybe even there could be a, a debut of Josh Gibkis from the uh, Ballarat Rebels straight into that Rich, Richmond back six. And Tarrant just, he shores them up. 
Yeah, a bit of local content there from Brad Sinclair too. He's saying uh, <laughs> knowledge in Ballarat, and, and that's a good call with Gippius. I reckon the other thing is the former skipper will feel a bit more freedom this year. If he stays injury-free, you might just see him running off half-back and um, and taking no prisoners. I actually think the Tigers are dangerous this year. So do I. Um, another year with the Richmond fans giving it to us, Christ. Uh, <laughs> I will say I'm writing a book at the moment on the 72 and 73 grand finals, Cartland and Richmond. So I've been speaking with some Richmond royalty of late and uh, learning some interesting stuff about uh, the club. And you can see why they're having a great period now like they did back in the early 70s and late 60s because of the culture they, they built where they just all love each other. You know, it's just a real family vibe um so a scary thought for us non-richmond supporters who have to put up with another year of uh, mm. them winning every week and, uh, some of them will probably see this come up on their social and and uh, listen to the uh podcast i hate you all of you <laughs> but i have to respect your footy team well actually not your footy team right now they're pretty good but dan you're right back in the 70s and all those other times your footy club i think it's not about culture i think it's about history and and um they are hard to play against the Tigers, and they're going to be this year. Oh, who can you uh, squeeze into the eight? Who do you who do you just think will just not make it? Yeah, so the bottom half of the eight, as everyone sort of mentioned, there's a whole group there that are going to be vying for those spots. So Essendon, hopefully St Kilda, uh, GWS will be thereabouts, uh, Frio. I think Gold Coast will do okay. They showed signs last year that they were going to be thereabouts. They just had a couple of games where I think they ran out of puff in the last half or last quarter and just let the game get away from them. If they come back this year fitter, I think we'll see them get a few more wins. I think Vossi's made Carlton look very good at the start and hopefully that plays through for the long-suffering Carlton supporters. I'm going to disagree with you, Wiz, sorry, in regards to Geelong. I have a couple of issues, but by no means take that (laughs) to heart and take it with a grain of salt. I could be completely wrong, but I just have a gut feeling they may slide down that bottom end of the eight and potentially out. So we right. just need to make sure we record this part so that when we catch up again at the end of the season for the grand final show, Owen, <laughs> that comment. we'll find out who's right or wrong, and I'm happy to drop it in the neck if I'm wrong. I'm, yeah. I'm happy as well, mate. So they're basically 0-1 from the start because they faced the Bombers first up, so that'll be uh, <laughs> that's a rough start for them. You just mentioned, just mentioned the Suns, Owen, where they're, they've got to travel to West Coast first up. And then they've got to take on Melbourne in round two up there. So their first couple of weeks put the pressure on. I know West Coast might be on the slide, but uh, at home they're a tough task and then to have to play Melbourne second week. So Not an ideal start. No, if they can win one of them, then they face up against the Giants. So it starts – it's not the ideal start. It's amazing how you lose a couple of quick games and the whole world just turns on you. So, uh, yeah. But I remember when Matty Rowell was fit – they looked really good with Matty Rao. Yeah. And and the players really seem to gravitate around him. So if they can keep him on the park, I think they'll win more games than they lose. Yeah, they've got some really good kids. Ben Ainsworth's one, another one. Lacocious is great too. They, they, yeah, Lacocious. Yeah, more well, boy. Kick in the comp. He's the best kick in the comp. He is. Amazing kick. Interesting, I noticed in the practice games they moved him forward just for an experiment. Yeah. He had an immediate impact. They even tried uh, Ballard up forward briefly, 
can he can find the footy. I think they've got a bit of scope, the Suns, and they won't be in the bottom three or four. They, you'll see some improvement this year. And Tuke well, yeah. Miller as well. His leadership, I think, is important oh, yeah. to them as well. He yeah. had a brilliant season. Last, he had a standout year last year. My cousin's one of the recruiters of the Sun, so uh, Cal Burns, he'll be, uh, he'll be happy that you guys have talked him up a bit so that they <laughs> can get off to a good start and ease the pressure on him and all those recruiters. That's why I said earlier I reckon Dewey's safe. I reckon they're going to have a pretty good year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. Jeez, we've turned There's around a... here. I, I had a big bloody <laughs> bottom, and you blokes are talking them up as premiers. So I'm really going to put some money on them at the TAB. But, that's um, that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yes. So who 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 is the top four? Who's who's the premiership fancy? Do we think um, we know how hard it is to back up and win two in a row? But are Melbourne capable of doing that? Oh, we'll start with you, mate. There's no reason why they can't. Obviously, they had a really good run last year with injuries and they did what they needed to do to get there. Uh, with all said, well, with all that was said and done, so there's no, yeah, no reason they can't do it. So I'll, I'll have the cop head answer and so they can go back to back, but I'd like to revisit that sort of mid season and, oh, and, and reevaluate because <laughs> I'm a perennial <laughs> fence sitter, as you know. Uh, um, with gee, can, well, is the question can Melbourne go back to back? Well, and and if not, who is going to win? Okay, so there's no reason why they can't. I agree with Owen. Um, I they had a pretty much injury injury for a year last year. I mean, everybody gets a little niggles and stuff. And there's no coincidence that the team that wins the premiership usually is the one with the least number of injuries. Hmm. So all these predictions are uh, subject to the things that we can't predict and their injuries. But I, there's no reason why they can't. I've told you I think uh, the Tigers are dangerous and they could be amongst it, um, maybe Brisbane. But my little smoky, you get a decent price on it on some of the betting agencies, could be the Cats. I knew that was going to <laughs> Turn it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brad, what, what, we used to have a come on man section back in the day where we'd uh, take the piss out of someone who dared say something silly like that. Yeah, I just played the audio then. Um, (laughs) But I do agree with Liz. They're they're the sides. Brisbane, Melbourne, Richmond, Geelong are the top four, I think. Uh, With the Bulldogs, injuries might hurt them. And they're too reliant on a couple where Richmond go deep and Geelong go deep. Let's remember Jeremy Cameron's first year at Geelong last year was ravaged by that hamstring. And he didn't train. No, he's flying. Yeah. Absolutely flying right yeah. now. And if they can get 85% out of Jeremy Cameron, that's going to take him a long way because how do you man up on Hawkins and Cameron up forward? Mm. How do you do that? Yeah. That's tough. I think I think the question mark about Geelong is going to be the defence. Stewart needs to be healthy. And uh, yeah. they've got a couple of other kids. They've lost a couple of tools in the last couple of years. Uh, in the back six there. So that's going to be the question mark for the Cats. You're right. Whenever I talk about premiers or top four, I always preface it by saying they're all injury-free because, yeah, I'm going on all injury-free because you're right, Wiz, what you said earlier. You've only got to have a couple of big ones like Gold Coast, Matty Rao, uh, Geelong, Hawkins or Cameron or Dangerfield. Yeah. Um, you know, Brisbane, uh, the captain. Um, even Danaher, you, know, you, you lose your key forward now, 
and you're in trouble. Um, but I'm not going to discount Port Adelaide. I know they had a, a poor finish to the year. They they won the last five home and away, but had a shocking final series. So if they can tweak that and get that right, um, maybe they have to play a little bit differently come finals. I don't know. But Port Adelaide, they're, they're a scary, scary side. So we've successfully mentioned every team in the competition. (laughs) (laughs) Just hedging our bets, boys. Um, Grab the toys as Brad. We're going to pull some splinters out, I think. Yeah. You noticed I didn't say some kilter, though. No, that's right. It's interesting, isn't it? The the dogs are a quarter and a few minutes away from uh, being premiers. They were that close. They when they kicked that goal, I think it was early in the third quarter, wasn't it? Everyone and I heard. Christian Petrarca the other day, so even he was worried at that stage. He thought, you know, they were just flying. Well, they're 19 um, points up, Dan. Amazing. And they had all the momentum, and you just thought, wow, this is over. And then something magical happened. <laughs> um, and and we could talk about that last quarter and a half for the rest of our lives. It was as good as you'll see. But the dogs were that close. And so it'll be interesting how they respond to that because it can break you. It can absolutely shatter you. You can think yeah. you're over it, but you know, it, it haunts you, and um, or it can go the other way, and they'll just go on to a premiership. And we've seen lots of teams that lose and then back up the next year and win. But I, yeah. I, it's an unknown. But um, they've got the talent there if they all stay on the park again. Yeah. They've got the talent, and they're well coached. The doggies, I expect them to bounce back. But I, we talked about that last quarter and a half. They're 19 points down halfway through the third quarter. The demons, and that. Uh, Every Heartbeat's True show that came on uh, just recently on TV. We'll have a look at that. When we backtrack across that, and we haven't talked about it much, but there was a 60-second period just before three-quarter time where they had three goals in 60 seconds. Brad, you've been involved with the footy for a long time. How often have you seen a team kick three goals in 60 seconds in a grand final? That was why they won the game. I don't think I have seen it. Maybe Hawthorne, Geelong, 89, when Geelong come back. Yep. Um, but I can't remember a game like that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, they, they were they would have beat anyone in that 60 seconds. It didn't matter who they played. So the doggies have got to walk away from that saying, you know what, except for an extraordinary set of circumstances, mm. three goals in 60 seconds, they just about, well, you wouldn't say they had it in their keeping, but they had control of that football game. And, I, you know, I know they're well coached. They've got some – I mean, I expect Aaron Norton to be one of the great forwards in the competition in the next few years, and we know what the bond's like. Um, I I expect them to rebound. Well, how hard is it, say Melbourne-wise, how hard is it to beat their midfield? They've got the best ruckman in the competition yeah. and the best midfield. Yeah. So if you're a forward at Melbourne, you're thinking, well, I'm getting a fair crack at this. It's going to come down a fair – Fair go, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna get 18 to 20 inside. It's coming inside each quarter 18 to 20 times. Yep. Yeah, you're spot on. You've only got to win half those contests and you're in yeah. it. Yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting. I this is as wide open as it's been, and it's always difficult to predict at this time of year. No doubt about that. Yeah. Um, I don't think uh, Luke Beveridge would have been showing the the great. The great movie gone in 60 seconds too often over the preseason. <laughs> Remember that classic? I think yes. Nick Cage was the man, wasn't it? Yeah, I love Cage. Great soundtrack too, but I don't think it was getting much airtime in the, in the kennel over the last six months. But uh, I, I hope they rebound because uh, they are fantastic to watch, the doggies, when they're going. Um, it'd be very interesting to see how mentally 
these kids uh, come through. We know Bontempelli was a minutes away probably from being a Norm Smith medalist. That's how good he was going until uh, Melbourne turned it around. I, I noticed, um, oh, that uh, Mark Robinson's top 50 this week. I think there was three demons might have been in the top five or something. You had Gorney, Oliver and Petrarca. That's a pretty handy trio there, oh, that uh, uh, pretty hard to stop if you're playing against Melbourne. Oh, bloody earth. And there's been... Uh, other media suggesting that's uh, one of the best midfields of the modern era. So I think that's potentially a little bit an early crow. But look, if it keeps going the way they did last year, there's definitely potential for that to be true. And and another couple of flags, and uh, I think that could possibly be how they'll be remembered, that midfield crew. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And you'd have any, any of those players in your team. So, yeah, that's got merit for sure. Max Gorn's key for them. If he goes down, it is it is yeah. a concern, isn't it? Because he he's when he first started playing footy, I I never would have predicted him to achieve what yeah. he's done. He's he's an absolute. You know, if I was a kid coming through, I'd worship him. You know, I'd be following Melbourne, and I'd just love him because he's brilliant, public wise, like in terms of his persona. He just you can relate to him. But then he just goes to war on the field. He might not have the, you know, he might have missed that goal after the siren or whatever. But he, you just you'd run to war with him like you would with a Michael Voss and like you would with uh, Lee Matthews. Those guys that just say, come with me, I'm going to carry you home. His two yeah. games against Geelong late in the year, that round 18 game when they won the minor premiership, he kicked the goal after the siren. <laughs> but his preliminary perf- final performance against the Cats when yeah. he five or six, yeah. uh, I mean, the ball just kept falling into his hands. I mean, that, that's just one of the great efforts from a key player as a leader in a serious final um, you have to admire that performance. He's got it in him. He can do it again. That was rated by many a good judge the greatest game a ruckman's ever played. You never trust a ruckman, though, Brad. I know you're about the same height as me. Um, I'll give you one question. How can you tell when a ruckman's standing on level ground? Oh, totally. Look, I uh, he dribbles equally out of both sides of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I made many a ruckman lose. I made many of Ruckman look good. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I've just interviewed two of the greats. I've just interviewed John Nichols and Mike Green, who uh, Mike Green won four premierships and Big Nick got three and uh, killed a few careers along the way, I imagine. But uh, well, I'll give you a tip. With those Next two. time we talk to Big Nick, Dan, don't tell that Ruckman joke, right? No, I, I no. definitely won't. And I uh, speak with Mike Green. You didn't want to stand because he... Big Nick liked to tap with the left hand. You didn't want to stand on his right side, which was a free arm, because that <laughs> elbow could uh, cause some damage. And B- Big Nick would be a Ruck Rover today. Yeah, that's right. I, I was nearly as tall as Big Nick when I interviewed him, so it's amazing where it's wow. got to. Um, what else we got to discuss, boys? Brownlow medalist, I guess we want oh. to have a look at it. And I'm, I'm already pretty happy. I'm going to start with uh, Ian Doherty here because uh, <laughs> he has already picked. I'm already in love with uh, uh, his no, predictions. I know he's going, the little blonde fella. Yeah, well, yeah. I've got to tell you, I've had a long think about this and I had a look in the uh, some of the betting agencies and whatnot. Now, I, 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 my smokey might be kind of rosy for Port Adelaide, right? Because I do rate him. I think he gets his hands on the foot. He's an exciting player. But right now, if I had to put my hard earned down, and I did make, make a note of this in one of the agencies, they're offering odds of $13 right now if you want to get on. And that's from the Bombers, your team, Danso. Well, I understand why you do it. Little Bond bombshell there, Darcy, Par- Darcy Parrish. I actually think he's a vote gatherer. He's a ball gatherer. He gets the attention of the umpires. He's a pretty good footballer. 
And uh, I see him as a Brownlow medalist at some point. Yeah, he polled very well last year. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a real breakout season for him. And, and signs so far seem like he hasn't dropped off from that. So that's a good sign. And, jeez, uh, number three at Essendon has already won three Brownlows in the great Dick Reynolds. So uh, he's in the right jumper to win a Brownlow. So how quick can you sell your house? Get all your cash on Darcy Tarrant this year. Right, <laughs> <laughs> well, who's going to win it from St Kilda? Jack Steele. Ah, yeah, good call. Yeah, look, he polled well as well, and I had um, concerns that he would, wouldn't poll in games he was expected to, which I think came to fruition just due to the fact that St Kilda didn't win enough games. Uh, while he's not flashy, he is there in the thicker things all the time. And he's definitely a leader by example down at that club. So I think he has a very big potential to continue the tradition of St Kilda having champion players. Um, we're just yet to, apart from 1966, have a champion team. <laughs> yep, yes. Uh, Bradley? Yeah. Oh, look, I, I, I hate to sound like a spoiled sport or a wet blanket. I find this... A fruitless exercise because I can't pick them at round 22. So <laughs> I'm going to struggle to pick them before round one, but I'm going to stay with Dusty Martin. I'm, I'm hearing. I know this is going to. This sounds terrible because it's a cliche. Everyone tells you they've had the best preseason they've ever had, <laughs> but I have been told Dusty Martin has looked really good. Um, I think he's got a lot to play for now, um, and I just think he might be the one. But if Chris. Christian Petrarca uh, stays fit. I think he might be a, a chance too. I tell you, the other bloke who polls pretty well is Clayton Oliver. If, uh, if, yes. if, if they don't take votes off each other, the umpires mm. clearly love him. Um, and and what about the reigning Brownlow medalist? I mean, Ollie Wines wins it, and we we haven't really talked about Port Adelaide at all. In the you know, like they've sort of snuck up in terms of. Um, on the radio, I just feel like I, I don't know much about them this preseason as opposed to some of the other clubs. So I just I wonder, Ollie had a pretty good year last year. Well, as I said earlier, Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide are dangerous. I've got a smoky for you, though, and you'll get better than $13. Mason Cox. Was <laughs> <laughs> that 500 to one? I don't, I don't want any more Cox jokes from you. Brad. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. I still reckon uh, he's soft wearing glasses. <laughs> we didn't mention Bont either. He polled second in last yeah, year's yeah, yeah. True. Oh, he had a great year and, and proved himself a great leader. And the fact he stood up in the finals, I mean, if you if you are a betting person and you and you wanted to put on someone, obviously he'd be in your mix. We might uh, have to think, revisit these conversations mid-season, Owen. That yeah. might be a very good idea, Wiz. We, we might, really might have to tee that up. Yeah. You're assuming anyone's going to listen to this. <laughs> uh, Broadcasting out to all of our 10 listeners. Family. Hello to the um, two people that tuned in last time. Yeah. Hey, before, are we, do we, we're now picking our Premier or not? Uh, not technically, but uh, we sort of said that Melbourne will be thereabouts and the Doggies might have a chance and Port Adelaide might have a chance and Richmond will probably win it. So uh, do you have an actual... <laughs> Actual well, confirmed we, winner. When we set an agenda the other day talking about this. I actually wrote it down. I wrote the Bulldogs down to win the flag. Yeah. Oh, an, another fruitless exercise. It comes down to grand final week. There's two sides in it, and I can't yeah. pick it. Um, and I'm going before you get there. Yeah, you're I'm right. going Brisbane. I'm going Brisbane. Okay. Waterloo's down, Owen. No. 
No. No. Now we're going to write these down. We're going to write these down. Wait what about uh, what about the Bombers celebrating their 150th year? Are they any chance, boys? You guys know more than me. Mick Malthouse reckons they are the guy. Yeah, exactly. He coached a few games. Yeah. So that for me says that they're not. No, but I do rate them the Bombers. I'll say that. They've got some it, ripper kids. Another Cox. Another Cox. He can play. Yeah, better. And he's cop, the one yeah. that looks like uh, from Beavers and Butthead, right? Yeah, yeah, and the big he's, fella. Uh, who's the ripper. big fella with the shocking haircut? No, that's yeah. the big fella. That's yeah. not Cox. Who's that big fella? Dan with the shocking haircut plays in the ruck. Well, we can't really criticise people's haircuts. I'm trying to think who you're talking about. Oh, big Sammy Draper. He's the man. Draper. That's we love we love him there at Essendon. They've got some great kids. They've got some really good kids. Yeah, Peter, there's a lot on Peter Wright's shoulders because some of those kids, they obviously if they keep progressing, they're going to be terrific, almost like your your, your buddy Ruffy combination a few years ago at Hawthorne, where you think if they can come through together, they can really have an impact. But this year and maybe even next, there's a lot on Peter Wright's shoulders, and he's not someone who has ten straight games of dominance. But if he if he can get enough consistency to do it week after week. That might help those kids come through more because they still need some more bulk on their on their bones. And but it's a lot riding on Wright's shoulders. And obviously um, Jake Stringer will hit yeah. here, there, and everywhere. But again, um, he's not your big tall forward, so you still need that behemoth like uh, Tom Hawkins or someone to kick it to. And that's where Peter Wright. There's a lot of pressure on him. Well, you, it's been said many, many times over the last hundred years, but the big blokes never get any smaller at the at the critical uh, yeah. moment. So there you go. I, I've always said they never get any smarter. Yeah, no, and I, I, I go along with that. And hello to all the big blokes that I know. <laughs> it's actually an exciting go. year for uh, the big boys too. We'll talk about Max King and uh, even Paddy McCartan coming back, even though they're slotting him down in defence. Um, and talking about Peter Wright, there's quite a few big blokes floating around that's uh, generating a bit of excitement. Just on Paddy McCartan, oh, that's another one in the comeback mix. I I'm cringing at the thought of it. I just think, mm. uh, I just, I fear for what could happen because clearly he's prone to, it's a bit like uh, the young, the young, yeah, where they're yeah. just they're prone to it. And you yeah. can't, you can't suddenly stop that just by moving to a different position. So I'm worried about the fact he's coming back. If it works, unbelievable. Well done. But, and great that the club is showing him the support to do that. But I'm worried, Brad, what about you, mate? You've had a few knocks in your life by the looks of you. <laughs> I had a lot of knockbacks at the St Kilda Gitmore. <laughs> <laughs> Quite understandable too. <laughs> and, and also come out with a few concussions. Just <laughs> I, I, I tell you what I cringe about the Paddy McCartan thing is that we had the opportunity to go for Petrarca. We we pick up Paddy and to his, it's not his fault, but we didn't get anything out of Paddy and he goes to Sydney and all the best to him. But I'll tell you what, if he comes around and plays some really good footy, uh, that was our number one pick, and we, we passed up on Petrarca. For a Saint, it's 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 hard to talk about. No point crying over spilt milk, mate. Joel Selwood went pick number seven with a knee injury, so uh, it is what it is. You never know how they're going to turn out. Hey, before we go, um, here's a gratuitous plug. Brad, you and I are going to spend a fair bit of time together this year. Um, because this year on um, SEN Latrobe Valley, uh, 91.9 FM, Brad and I will be calling all of the Allen Bank uh, Football Netball League games this season, as well as hosting a Saturday morning sports show. So uh, if you're in the area, tune in 91.9 FM, SEN Latrobe Valley. 
might I just say that uh, you two working together, without giving you a pat on the back, but uh, you two just work off each other beautifully. I've heard you in the past calling together, and uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, obviously, a great mm. thrill for you two, but it's great for the local area as well that you guys are able to or to have such respected voices and uh, such knowledge on the game to be doing it. I reckon it's pretty cool. I'm excited for how you guys are going to go. Yeah, thanks, Sam. It's going to be go great. On, I think a, a lot uh, – you've got to take your hat off to SEN for taking the gamble, not yeah. not, not only for <laughs> calling country footy, but for letting Wiz and Liam be on mic. Well, it is radio, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> yes. has got some big kahunas, I tell you right. <laughs> well, so it, it's funny you say that because uh, we've worked here before. I mean, it'd be great for footy and all that sort of stuff, but the smell in the commentary box. <laughs> the old curried egg sandwiches. Might have to light a few man. matches, Bradley. My carried egg sandwiches were still good. <laughs> oh, just to comment on that, the the local footy, uh, great to have it back in the local area and not just in our area, but all over the country, really. But just uh, you must be getting a good vibe from people in the Gippsland area and talking about the fact that they're back and kids can start playing footy and netball and all those sports again. It's, it's soccer. It's a pretty exciting time to be back uh, in the real world a bit, isn't it? The region is buzzing. There's a, a lot of excitement going around. We're within a month of everything kicking off. So, yeah, definitely. I've noticed it all on my socials. Uh, there's a lot of interaction going on. There's, a, as I say, a bit of a buzz, a bit of excitement. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people really waiting to get stuck into what looks like it's going to be an uninterrupted season. Obviously, we didn't get our grand finals off last year. Yeah, fingers crossed, and hopefully Russia don't decide to invade over here as well. So we'll, well <laughs> for keep our fingers crossed for that as well. But yeah, look. Well, let's be honest. They're going to pick on Melbourne. They won't pick on the Latrobe Valley. So I reckon we'll be right out here. I don't think we've got anything they need. Uh, well, Latrobe Valley's got the power stations, but I don't think they need that, do they? The, hey, we've got the best two callers in the world. Uh, about to, they might come and poach them. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll end up. We'll, what's that sport in the Winter Olympics with the rock on the ice and you sweep? They'll end up sending say curling. I'll tell curling. you what. I'll tell you what. Gippsland do have that they might want. Ever been to the Yarrigan Bakery? Oh, yes. yes. That is one of the best bakeries uh, that I've ever gone to. There's another one in Rosedale too, between Trelgan and Sale. If you ever get a chance yep. there, he's got the Ned Kelly sculptors and everything out the front. Uh, the, oh, I love the bakery. Not a paid promotion, by the way, but if you want to sponsor us, the Oregon Bakery and Rosedale Bakery, feel free. <laughs> yeah, Billy Bradley and I might be meeting there for a coffee and a, a coffee yes. stroll or something uh, on a Saturday morning before the Odd Ellen Bank game this year down the Oregon Bank. Hey, boys, we, we have waffled on for a long time. Uh, hopefully uh, hopefully uh, the listeners have enjoyed it as much as we have because we haven't been able to even see each other's face really for a while. and be in the same room or anything, so I'm looking forward to catching up with you blokes at some point soon. Have we got anything else we need to cover before we say goodbye for this first edition of the season? Not from me. I'd just like to uh, wish everyone all the best back in the Gippsland area and right throughout uh, country Victoria with their footy and netball, and uh, let's hope that we get a full season in, but I'm very confident of that, as uh, Owen said earlier. I think it's going to bring the bigger crowds that we've ever seen in country footy this year. I think they're going to be enormous. So everyone, get out there and have fun. Support your local clubs and let's get it back. Can't wait. Owen? 
Nah, all, everything is all good from my end. Uh, look forward to catching up with you boys again soon. Might even uh, sneak in a, a few more episodes before we revisit mid-season. Yeah, we better talk contracts at some point because uh, we can't do it for free. But, um, yeah, not until the contract's signed there, Dan, you know that. Yeah, I'm, free I'm pies from Yarragon and Rosedale. Being, being a writer that lives on uh, baked beans and uh, water, I, uh, I need to talk talk though with someone. So uh, uh, is there anything else you want to add, mate? Just a reminder again uh, where we can listen to you guys starting next week. Yeah, 91.9 FM, uh, SEN Latrobe Valley. The Ellen Bank Football and Netball League competition will be calling the games from 2 till 5 and hosting a Saturday morning sports show, Brad, between... Is it 11 and 12. Yeah. 11 and 12. Good. Which so, is a good um, time. Yeah, plenty of coverage there. 91.9 FM in Gippsland if you're in the area, and I think you pick it up through the SEN app as well. So um, yeah. be good to talk to everybody. But I, look, for me, I just can't wait to get to the footy and catch up with everybody. Have a great time, everybody. And boys on your sports show, if you do need a, you know, a, a special voice every now and again, and uh, you're willing to open your checkbook, <laughs> I might be available. <laughs> um, it's a big call, but um, I'll, um, I might be able to uh, wrangle up the odd hour if you, if you can come to the party or at least get me uh, something from the bakery. Um, I think well, I'll yeah, we'll talk to your people, Dan. Yeah, yeah, that's a talk to my son Ernie. He's five years old, but he's already smarter than me. So talk to him. Um, so just in summary, after that four-hour podcast, uh, it's fair to say Essendon are probably favourites for the Premiership. Parrish has got the Brownlow, and it's going to be pretty <laughs> exciting here for everyone in the red and black. Uh, I'm excited too. I've got a book on Essendon coming out next month. We'll talk about that at some point. Um, anyway, thanks, boys. It's been fantastic to see your very handsome faces, and uh, we look forward to chatting again soon. That's been Any Given Monday. For the first Monday of footy season 2022, we'll talk to you again soon. Go Bombers. Any given Monday. So first thing I'll do is hit stop, right? Make sure you edit that bit out or we're going to sound like morons if he says, uh, "When do, what do we do? Press stop. <laughs> <laughs>